0: Love Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
1: And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson.
0: Brian, I think this is the show that we had marked a couple of weeks ago. I I I I think we had it marked before we even had it scheduled. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm excited about tonight, Brian. I'm I'm so excited about having our guest on tonight. And, Brian, I know you remember when we went to the meeting and met with this gentleman.
1: Oh, yes. I can truly say that he was an energizer. And, you know, he had an innovative idea that people can all get together and create a community of knowledge, of thinkers, of doers, Of movers and shakers that can really affect a positive change on the community as a whole you know and and he came with this holistic approach of bringing in all these key opinion leaders all these people who had some type of knowledge of what was going on and also a voice in the community and you know he had this overall vision of bringing them all together Mm -hmm. so that they can decide on what's best for the community.
0: And it's a beautiful thing, Greg. Yes it is. And you know what? I met with him one on one before that meeting and I can tell you that he's challenging everybody in every household and he's telling them that there's more you can do. There's more. We go to we go to our eight to fives or nine to six or whatever times we go to work. What are we doing with the rest of that time? If we could just give back to the community. And, Brian, what he's doing and what he's putting together is not easy. Because, you know, when you start dealing with people, you have the egos, and then you have the ones that are looking out for themselves, and they're looking for the money.
1: Yeah, that buzzword.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's not an easy thing, but he's strong enough, he has enough experience to weather the storm. Now, once this thing takes off like it is, and it's running wild, Brian. It's, it's, it's just taking over like a, like a, a, a fire.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now everybody's trying to jump on board. And if you don't believe me, trust me, you will hear this name outside of Florida. You will hear this thing going from state to state to state. Because we can't rely on the government. We can't put this pressure on the new president, to do the things that we can do in our own community we have to do this and Brian that's what I got from him and that's why I'm so energized tonight and I can tell Brian I know that you're ready to bring him in because you do a lot of stuff in your community
1: Mm
0: -hmm. oh yes
1: you know and there's just like uh, numerous things that i had done in the past and some other things that I wanted to do and once I've you know contacted this brother and he you know allowed me to get an opportunity to do even more in my own community you know he put me in contact with the people that I needed to talk to in order to do what I needed to do to better my community you know and I, and I truly appreciate his you know his giving me you know just a moment of his time so that he could allow me to you know get in there and do what I needed to do you know and that's yeah. what's so important you know when you have people that are busy as you know our guest is you know and he says busy believe me <laughs>
0: it's gonna you get know? worse it's gonna get worse but it's gonna, be <laughs> busy. it's gonna be a good busy but go
1: ahead you know but he, he still took the time to dialogue with me a little bit he still took the time to say I'm gonna put you in contact with the person that you need to talk to in order to get this, make this thing happen and you let me know if you can't get in contact with this person you know oh, and then geez. I'll do it yeah. You know, so, and I and I truly appreciate that because he could have easily said, well, you know, just call this person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, but you can truly tell that he has a genuine love for people and he has a, a, a he, he believes he has a social responsibility for the people that are around him every day.
0: And you know what, Brian, it should be that way. We shouldn't have to rely on the politicians to come in our community that we live in that they don't live in, and and that's one thing that the politicians are looking at. What are you doing? I know you elected me to do a certain thing, but I can't do it all by myself, and Brian, that's why we have tonight's show, Taking Our Community Back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a pen and a pad, please take notes. We're going to have fun. We're going to fellowship. And if you have any questions, feel free to call in, 718-508-9600. Again, that's 718-508-9600. Brian, I don't think a lot of people may want to call in because they're going to be too busy taking down notes.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, let's bring him in because we've talked so much about him, but we haven't told everyone who he is. So, tonight's special guest is Community Outreach Coalition leader Larry Simmons. And with the Community Outreach, their goal is to bring, build partnerships with the faith and business community, community leaders, activists, law enforcement, social service agencies and organizations, citizens, students, colleges, schools, and city, county, and state, city, county, state, and federal officials to address the issues of gangs, drugs, crime, and other issues that prevent positive growth in the city of Tallahassee, Florida and surrounding areas. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Larry Simmons.
3: How you doing, Brian?
1: Doing great. How about you?
3: I'm doing great, guy.
0: How you doing, Mr. Simmons? Are you ready for the night?
3: Hey, Greg, I'm
0: I'm, I'm really ready. (laughs) Good, good. You know what? You know, let's go back to that meeting that you and I had. No one was there. It was just you and I. And and I I felt this passion from you in wanting to help others and do things to bring people up from the pits that they're in right now. Where did you get that passion?
3: Uh, Greg, I I really think it started with my own childhood and and growing up uh, uh, in gang-type activity and just getting in trouble. and. Uh There was a gentleman that that started a football program in my neighborhood that kind of rescued me from from juvenile delinquency and it gave me an opportunity to uh express my own talent and It had not been for that gentleman, I just don't know where my life would have been.
0: Mm. I tell you what you know it, it it do you think it's as easy right now for us in the communities? to just say, I'm going to make a difference and probably spend an hour or two a week in the community doing something, do you think that that's a good idea or at least it's a start to do something?
3: Yes, I I think it's a start, Greg. There's a lot of us out out here. But if every one of us can do just a little bit, it adds up to a lot. When we look in terms of the college students uh, in all the three colleges and junior college uh, here in Tallahassee, and then we as citizens, uh, there's thousands and thousands of us. If we can all just just give uh, young people and adults and elderly just a little bit of our time, that equals out to be thousands and thousands of volunteer hours in trying to restore our communities.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. You know, I, I've I've been doing stuff in my community for years now. Um uh, I've been a part of the education committee, um, the neighborhood renaissance project. You know, I work with, you know, several youth when I play football. I mean when I coach football, Greg and I actually used to coach. You know, I've worked with them uh doing HIV prevention and now I'm doing uh some things with abstinence education with youth. You know, so I've I've had my ear to the ground for a long time. So I kind of know what, you know, I kind of have a vibe for what needs to happen in my community. But what about the person that is sort of like a greenhorn and they really don't know what their community needs, but they know they want to do something? You know, what would you suggest that they do to get involved?
3: Well, you know, I I think it's real important that they – uh, become parts of, of coalitions, uh, groups that are bringing people together. What, what we've seen, Greg and Brian, is that in the past a lot of people have, you know, people who are wanting to do positive things in the community, they go at it alone. And many times when you go at it alone, you somehow uh, you, you create all these uh you know, isolated situations where you really can't do the most good because your, you know, your you, your scope is narrow. So I encourage people to get involved with coalition where people are working together. Uh, there's a there's a great trend with a lot of uh, federal agencies and state agencies too, uh, as far as uh, grant monies or whatever. You know, they're encouraging coalitions because you can do so much more uh, when you come together and and have a wider scope and vision uh, for the community versus uh, a very narrow uh, outlook on on, uh, community development.
0: You know what, it's so true that a lot of people, they pretty much burn themselves out because they want to make a difference. They Mm -hmm. want to do it. But they don't know how to do it. They don't they, they wanna do it but it's such a heavy burden and, and, and I I'll use the word burden because lack of knowledge. Not knowing exactly. really not knowing really how to get in there, but they mean well. And a lot of times they can rub people the wrong way because they they, they don't know or they don't have the communication skills to get in there to reach people on the level that where they are because sometimes they feel that these people they that that they're on the same level and that they understand, and a lot of times it, it, it's not that way. Uh, I'll give you a short example of you know you and I talked about some times that you were places where the kids they just didn't get it. So if you have someone that's not in touch, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but they're not in touch, they're living on the rich side of town. Their well. thinking is so much different than the people on the other side of town because the ones on the other side of town that are struggling, their thoughts are different. So when you have someone that come in and say, well, all you have to do is this and all you have to do is that, you know, I think that the blessing that you've been given is you know how to go in and explain to them to raise them up to a level without talking down to them. You understand what I mean by that?
3: Exactly. Uh, you know, as a social worker, uh, that that is my profession, and... And uh, so, you know, in in social work, they they teach us a lot about uh, cultural diversity and and working with different groups and various groups. It's it's important that uh, those who who come into our communities uh, at least understand uh, the groups uh, or the persons that they're going to be working with. I don't think uh, people outside of that economic uh, level uh, cannot work, but I think working in a coalition with, with others who understand uh, the cultural diversity, uh, we can all bring something to the table and learn from each other in our experience in working with uh, individuals from different cultures. So I, I think the, the coalition, again, can be a var- ver- uh, a valuable tool. Uh, for us to to learn from each other and learn from the community uh, at the same time. So yes, we we, we got to come together. I think uh, to to learn from each other, so we can better uh, assist our. People.
1: You know, I want to get back on um, <clears throat> excuse me on something you said earlier about um, grant funds and so forth, and how they tend to gravitate towards people who start coalitions i can remember back in the late 90s when i was involved in a coalition group and it was called the popular there was a program called the popular opinion leaders program and it was uh, developed around hiv and aids and the capacity building component that they would use to grow small businesses and nonprofits and so forth and it was very popular Because what they would do is they'd take, again, these key opinion leaders, these people who were movers and shakers in their communities, and put them together in a group and have them direct and set policies on how they would go about combating HIV and AIDS. And so I think in the same tone, you know, one of the things that you all are doing with the coalition is you want to focus on gang prevention. And so what you're doing is you're taking these popular opinion leaders or these key opinion leaders Mm -hmm. from different organizations, from different walks of life. Some people have their ear to the ground, and some people are looking down and seeing the bigger picture of what's going on. And so they all get together, and then they have this wonderful brainstorming, I would imagine. And they come up with and devise methods and plans to combat, you know, among other things, gangs.
3: Right. Right uh in uh, mentioning uh that uh there there's a term we 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 use in, in social work is fragmentation a lot of times when 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 you do uh when you are engaged in in, in community development a lot of times if we somehow don't connect our services we're we're', we're Client or the community is not getting a holistic uh, view of, of, of services where the services somehow connect with each other. You know, if if a fa- when, when families are experiencing difficulty, there are very uh, types of difficulties uh, that family is experiencing. So if you if you have a coalition that coalition can address each issue that that family is, is experiencing rather than uh, organization over there trying to figure out one thing, then another agency is trying to figure out, and you got all these different agencies trying to uh, address issues in this one family, but because there's you no know, communication, uh, uh, you know, among this group, then that family suffers in the end because of the uh, fragmentation, uh, I would say. one reason why a lot of times our families are not benefiting from all of these great agencies that exist because there's not much communication and partnering uh, that's going on between the agencies.
0: Yes. You know, I, I, I guess in the communities there is a lack of communication. Exactly. There's a lack of communication, and I think everybody's goal is the same. They want to see results. They want the community to come, to come back up to the standards, which it was at some point, like it used to be. But I think they go about it in different ways, and they kind of rub each other wrong, and then you have bickering and arguing, and, and, and now they're tussling for position to be out in the front to say I did this or it becomes a selfish kind of kind of thing so in the communities now we're taking our communities back right now the coalition is communication a component of the things that we, that the communities should be looking to see and hear from this coalition
3: uh, exactly exactly uh... Uh, definitely, As we grow and, and, and become stronger, we, we want to make it clear to the entire community, that meaning uh, our public officials, uh, our community agency directors, uh, volunteer agencies, that, that we somehow need to come together uh, because who suffers in the end when we don't do our part, when we don't communicate? Our community suffers. Yes. And all you have to do is look around, Greg, and Brian, and you'll see that that you know even though we have several agencies out there doing great things for 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 a number of years now, but we still see uh, the lack of, of of stability in our community, Our families uh, seem to be uh, in disarray. Uh, many of our families are, are broken and somehow or another we don't see much healing taking place. Even though we're working hard as agencies, we just don't see that total healing that's taking place in our community. So it, it's, it's vitally important that we, we have to come together and we have to communicate in order to heal our families and heal our community. We've got to do it.
1: Yes, yeah, I agree absolutely. You know, In my years of working with youth, the one thing that I've learned from them is that they want the direction. They want, you know, people to help, and their families do too. I I taught a class last week on abstinence education, and I had a a 36-year-old woman in there, and she was talking about her adult children, you know, and she was saying how she wished they would listen to her. She said they haven't listened to her for years and she has two younger children that she's trying not to be, you know, have them negatively influenced by their older siblings, you know, but she said it's difficult because, you know, after them not listening to her, you know, and of course she had them at a young age, and so it's difficult for them to, you know, for her to try to get them to do the right thing because they always point back and say, hey, look what you did wrong, you know. And so she was looking for ways and methods of how to be able to reconnect to them and to reconnect with them, you know. And people want the information, but they really don't know how to get it. And so if we go into those communities, if we offer the services that we have, you know, and and that's the one thing that's so key, so many of the services, people are afraid to go and get them. They're afraid to go out and get them, you know, because of how they'll be portrayed. You know, when I did HIV prevention and testing, people were afraid to go to the health department. Right. They would go, and, you know, as long as you didn't tell, if as long as nobody told that they were getting HIV tests or whatever, they were cool. But, oh, you want, you want to do what? No, I'm not taking an HIV test. Not in front of all these people. Right. You know, you tell them it's confidential, nobody will know. They're like, it doesn't matter. If I take a test, people are going to think I have it. You know, and so they get caught up in that stigma and that negative stereotype, and they don't want to be viewed as being, you know, uncool, unhip, you know. And so they shy away from those type of services. It's like family social services. Let's say a husband and wife are having problems, you know. Typically, the husband is more reluctant, you know, and I'm just saying, you know, in a typical situation, the husband is more reluctant to share his feelings with uh, let's say, a counselor, unless that husband can truly relate and that counselor can truly relate to how he feels. But, you know, if now if the counselor comes to his house in his domain, you know, he may be ready to talk. But if he has to go down to that counselor's office,
0: <laughs>
1: he's not saying a word. You know, and, it, and it's because, you know, it's that stigma, why i got to go talk to a shrink, I ain't crazy, you know. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. And it's just that stigma. And I'm not saying it's just husbands. I think people in general are typically, they typically shy away from that type of help and help in general because they don't want to be viewed as being weak, you know. So I said all that to ask this question. What are some of the ways that we as community leaders, we as people who want to get involved, you know, what are some of the other ways that we can do? Now, I know you talked about joining the coalition but there's there's something that we can do on a lower local, you know, more personal level, you know, and I, and I say that I mean like can we go into or are there some, you know, what are some of the programs that some of your coalition members have started?
3: Uh, yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, there there's lots of agencies out there that that are needing people. Uh, there's no way uh, the the outreach coalition. That we formed is the only group that's out there that's working together. We need to do uh, do more of it, and we need to join uh, with agencies that are out there that are doing great things. So just, just you know, there's there's agencies and organizations and community centers all around us. Get the one that's closest to you that that'll make your time effective and efficient. You know, it might be a community center right there in your neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know, get with them and find out what's going on, and I'm quite sure there's a there's a program or activity that might be of interest to you. Yeah. So yeah, just just keep your eyes open to what's going on in your neighborhood. Yes. Try to get become a part of it and see what you can do yes. to make that program better.
0: That's right. right. You know, I I, I think it. Well, I know it's not me, but I, I think, uh, and, I, and I'm referring to our communities, You know, we our communities are the way that they are because of what we accept and what we tolerate in our communities.
3: Exactly.
0: And That's it, true. Yeah, and, and, and I'll point out, and I'll give you a, a, a good example. You have people that come from other countries, and you've seen this before, and they set up their stores. In African American communities, now we tolerate this. A lot of times, we tolerate it because they don't have the means; they can't go to a grocery store and get things on credit. And I, I think uh, it, it, it's—I'll say this—it's good and it's bad. To me, it's kind of like a scheme. And, and, and I'm so glad that, that some of them are offering that service because a lot of people really do need that type of credit to get their food. You know, it, whatever it takes for them to get their food legally, that that's fine. But don't come in a community where you don't want to help that community. And and, and I say that to say this. In, in the upscale neighborhoods, they will not tolerate that type of store in their community.
3: You're absolutely right, Greg. And can I, you, you mind if I be? Yes, go, with
0: ahead, you? go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, sure.
3: Greg, uh, uh, many times in, in, in a lot of our communities, I mean African American communities, you know as well as I know, uh, that that many of our communities, or you know, they're they're pretty weak. Uh, they don't have the the the, the leadership uh, that it needs to be strong. Uh, all the professional uh, people are leaving uh, these type communities and it leaves the community vulnerable to all sorts of things that come in and and even further fragmentate it when you have businesses that will come into your community our community our, uh, I would call at risk communities and start businesses and don't contribute back to that community all you're doing is sucking life from that community, and and I would tell people uh, to you know support the businesses that support your community. I hope that's something that will catch on in this city and every city in America. If 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 this if this store in your community is not sponsoring a baseball team or a football team or a cheerleading team or doing something positive, we need to consider uh, boycotting these stores. And I've gone to different stores to to try to, you know, get them involved. And, and you know, I don't mind, you know, telling any store owner, you know, uh, you know, get involved, you know, sponsor a team, sponsor or, or an event in your community. I've had some of them to flat out, you know, say, hey, you know, I don't want to hear that. And I'll be the first one to, uh, to get out there on the street with a son and say, you know, if you're not going to support our community, you know, we're not going to support your business. And I think we need to get back to that, Greg, where we need to send a message to these store owners, you know, either support our communities or get out of our communities and let somebody who's willing, you know, whoever they might be, you know, come in and, and, yeah, we want you in our community to, to provide a service, but also help your community. If you're not, all you're doing is sucking uh, life out of our community. So I hope that this that message will sit well with the people in the community about, you know, the responsibility that businesses should have in our community, not just to make money but come in to, to strengthen community, not just take away from them.
1: you know it it in listening to you say that I, I'm reminded of you know of where I live and some of the, the businesses that are in my communities that when I've gone to them in the past <clears throat> you know I haven't seen you know quality items in those stores that I would really want to purchase and it kind of shunned me away from from buying stuff in there, in their stores. And, you know, the other thing that kind of got me, and I've never seen this in, like, in, I would say, more upscale neighborhoods, but I've always seen this in, you know, the lower socioeconomic neighborhoods. You ever see those signs where they say, no more than two kids in the store at one time? hmm You know, I remember going in a store not too far from where I live, and I saw that sign. And I asked the owner, what does that sign mean? And they said, oh, well, these little kids, sometimes they steal. So no more than two at a time in the store. And I said, well, does that mean my two kids can't come in the store? And he says, well, you know, not your kids, because I'm sure you have good kids. And I said, how you don't know these two kids in the store right now aren't my kids?
3: Right.
1: You know, I mean, it it was sort of like a slap in the face. It's like, we want your money, but we don't trust you. You know, and it could have been absolutely true that the children were stealing. You know, it could have been absolutely true. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying that he put the sign up there as a sign of disrespect. He probably was trying to stop. The children from stealing, you know
3: but but you know what, Brian? If the kids in that community knew that 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 store owner sponsored a football team in their community, they probably wouldn't go in there steal
1: absolutely so
3: so that to me, that tells me that uh those of us who work in the community, we got to get involved with these businesses and get them to come on board. To help create a atmosphere where it's a win win situation for everybody and I believe that our communities are good at recognizing people that have their back, and I believe that you get good returns and your when your business have a good a good reputation in the community, people are going to look out for your business, so businesses should look at being involved with the community, whether it's, like I said earlier, uh, a football team or baseball team or basketball team or some kind of youth club. If, the, if these young people knew that you are engaged in a positive way and that you're using some of your profits to give back to the community, those kids will, if they knew some one of their friends was steal it from the store, they will probably go tell that business owner because they know that that business owner is, is, is working hard in their community or they might be playing on the team that this business owner is sponsoring. And these kids will help that business owner to make sure that, that their concerns about theft or what have you, uh, could be met by, by the community. Mm-hmm. Not just with his own eyes, but with the community. And I think they know they failed to do that is a reason why they sometimes feel vulnerable. But they need, to, we need to engage the businesses because, you know, a community is made up of everybody, businesses, churches. We all need to come together, and we need to work together. Same way with the churches. Uh, We've we got to get them involved. And I think more people will be more apt to visit their neighborhood churches They, if they knew that their church was also engaged in the community as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, that- yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing I can remember from my childhood is there was a store owner, and he was a black man, and his name was Mr. Al. And he, it was Al's Store. That was the name of it. Little small ice cream soda shop, what have you. You know, he didn't have the, you know, the best stuff. But the one thing about Mr. Al is that if you some you could come in there and buy something, and if you didn't have enough one day, he'd say, just bring it to me later. Right. And the next day you probably brought that extra, but you always went to Mr. Al because you knew that if you had five cents, you could buy two butter cookies because they were two cents each. You know, or if you want the coconut cookies, they were two cents each. And if you had five cents, he'd give you three mm-hmm. and tell you, next time bring me five cents, and you get two. You know, just make sure you, you know, and that's how he operated. And he would always look out for you. On some days, he would give away, you know, two free cookies, three free cookies, what have you, if you bought something else. You know, I mean, it was always his way of giving back just a little bit Right, and he benefited from that
3: exactly
1: because and, you know nobody stole from him. Right, you know people always went. It's like that's that was the thing to do. You got a little bit of money, you went and sold some cans or you sold some bottles and turned them in. You went to Mister Al's, you got you a bag of butter cookies. You know
3: <laughs> exactly, and, and and the people in that community respected him because they knew he was giving. Giving back to the community, he wasn't just taking, taking, taking. So I, I hope our business uh, people are, are listening tonight and, and hearing what it really takes to be successful in the community.
0: Yes, you know, I, I, I want to talk about the gangs and, and and focusing a little bit on giving and loving. Uh, those are two things that the communities and these young people need more than anything. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of gangs, and I I don't think that people realize how much of a bond these people have in these gangs, and that's why it's so hard to break them up. Because they may have not ever received love, love from anyone before until they got into this gang. And that's one thing that they do well. These gangs, they organize they're always placing things in the right order, but it's not meant well. It's not meant for the best, the best for the community and best for the person. But they know how to put this thing together to recruit people. They're really, really savvy. They're really, really smart. You know, Mr. Simmons, if we can channel the, what they have and what they're doing wrong, if we can channel that in the right direction, that's something you know, I remember you mentioning to me, why not have a McDonalds owned by the kids in the communities? That's the kind of smartness that these kids have.
3: They they Fred, if we if we fail to to not look to that level of thinking, we're gonna continue to fail and we're gonna continue to see to see gains uh grow to a point where our quality of life, in, in fact, our quality of life is already uh, somehow impacted by these young people. You know, you never know, Greg, if you, you and your loved ones or your children might be at the mall one day, you know, shopping, enjoying yourself, having ice cream or what have you. These young gangbangers these days, they, they have no respect for life and, and, and adults and law. They might just have a gun gun a, a shootout right there at the mall. So our quality of life is being impacted by these young gangbangers. And I think the media has somehow uh, given us this impression that you're going to see these guys with the, the red outfits and all these different colors uh, representing gangs, brave. but gangs are, are more than that. Gangs are, are these young kids, is in these communities, in these public housing communities, in these at-risk communities where they have nothing to do, Greg, and they sit, they sit together, they hang out with each other on a daily basis, and they talk about, you know, their dreams, you know. And a lot of times, you know, they have a bleak outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And somehow they feel like they're being cheated, Greg, because uh, they don't see the love in the community. They don't even see the love in their home many times. Many of these homes are are absent of a father. Uh, The mother may or may not be a positive role model. Uh, She may be uh, working two or three jobs, uh, low-paying jobs, just to make ends meet. Or, you know, uh, with today's issues, you know, that, that mom could be, you know, on drugs or what have you. But these kids are missing that love, and so what they're doing, Greg, they are finding it among themselves, mm. and, and 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 they don't have to be a blood or crip to be a game. All you got to do is, you know, you just sitting out at, you know, at the park, talking about, hey man, I'm broke, man. We we need to get out of act together and get a little bit more organized. Maybe we can rob a few people. And that's all it takes to be build And I'm telling you, if we do nothing, Greg mm-hmm. and Brian, and we do nothing to try to stem the growth of gangs, our quality of life, our quality of life. And these kids, they don't have no respect of a person. They'll put a gun in our face, especially if it seems like we have a little something, oh yeah, you know, in our pocket. They they have no respect of a person. They'll put a gun in you and I, and we look just like them. But if we mm-hmm. fail to do nothing, Greg, these kids, their, their anger is going to be directed towards anybody that seems to have something that they can get from them. So we, we need to wake up with this gang issue. I, I don't think uh, the attorney general uh, organizing a task force uh, to address this gang issue if we didn't have a gang issue. And it's not always going to be in the form of the Bloods or Crips. It can be just these neighborhoods. In fact, we've seen gang graffiti uh, in some of these uh, public housing communities where it might be a West Side group. Uh, Mm -hmm. They may not be fully organized, but they're organizing. They're talking. They're talking about robbing. They're talking about selling drugs. In fact, I heard on the radio today from... The Crime Stopper Organization, they said that 80% of the crimes committed in Tallahassee, you know, they're drug-related. Well, who's selling drugs? These young kids. Wow. You know, and, and, and through their through their drug selling, they, they get a lot of these people on crack or whatever drug they're selling, and then they're stealing. So there's all kind of crimes you know, that are, 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 you know, implemented because it starts with these young kids that are selling drugs just to try to survive. You know, some of them are, are getting their child paying child support based on how much they're being able to hustle on the street. So you know they're out there hustling because, you know, some judge is telling them if you don't come up with this child support money, you're going to jail. So these guys out there selling drugs just, just to pay child support, you know. So we're, we're we're looking at a dangerous issue that if we don't if we don't get on top of this thing, Greg, and do it the right way, uh, you know, we're, we're in for uh, a lot of disappointment in in our communities and and, and what happens uh, possibly in our own lives is one of these gangbangers bangers catch you in the wrong spot at the wrong time.
1: You know, this is why I think what you've done and what you're doing is just so great because you're getting all the people together that you believe and I also believe can affect that type of change that we need because you're not just saying, okay, we're going to get law enforcement involved and lock these guys up. You're also bringing together social services groups because maybe these guys need more than just being locked up. Maybe they need to learn a skill or a trade. Maybe they need motivation. You know, maybe they need health care. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just say, well, the problem is this guy's doing wrong, so let's lock him up. Maybe it's his, it's his environment.
3: Exactly. Well, e- even even the agencies like DJJ and all these other agencies, uh, Greg and Brian, they're, they're at the point where their budget won't allow them to just keep in prison. That's going to bankrupt our country if we just continue to build jails. Jails don't bring money. uh, It it doesn't create wealth. It creates a dependency because it's our tax money, uh, and I've I've seen this and heard this and and saw some research, that it it costs nearly $40,000 per year. To uh, incarcerate an individual. $40,000. $40,000 per person. Okay? That's nonsense to continue to build gangs and, I mean, uh, prisons and jails that's sucking up tax money. If we can stop gangs, uh, we can probably almost, uh, it could probably be a stimulus to our economy just if we can stop gangs. We can stop that $40,000 per person to, to have a, a, a man or a young person incarcerated, you know. So it's in the best interest of agencies like DJJ and the Department of, of Prisons uh, to do prevention now because if we can keep people out of prison, we can kind of lower our tax burden, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. So we we got to do that, and, 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 uh, and the government has already come to that realization but they just can't just continue to just throw uh, money down a drain that they get nothing out of.
1: Yes. You know, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago listening to uh, the secretary of, um, I want to say of corrections, Department of Corrections, mm-hmm. and he was talking about this very same thing about we we can't afford to build any more prisons because it is going to bankrupt Florida. Because right now, what Florida has begun to do is to also privatize prisons. Right. And you know, prison privatization is a huge industry right now yes, because the this, the state would rather have this private company build the prison, maintain the prison, and they just pay them, you know, a flat fee of you know, let's say it's forty thousand dollars a person. Because the reality is. If I pay you, even if I paid you $30,000 a person, if I had to do it for 40000 myself, I also have to look at the fact that I have employees that have overhead like health care and insurance and so forth and, you know, all the other things that go with hiring people. And so because of that, it's going to actually be a higher cost in the long run for the state to run those prisons than it would be for a private company, which would not, you know, maybe have the same type of benefit packages that the state would have. You know, they, they wouldn't fall under all the same rules. They would, You know, of course they would fall under certain, you know, rules and restrictions, but they wouldn't have to adhere to what the state does, you know, across the board. Like the state couldn't say, well, you get one type of, you know, uh, benefit package and, Somebody else gets a different type of benefit package. Their benefit packages are pretty much the same, you know, or very similar. And so these private companies come in, they get the grant, they get the, uh, or the, you know, the contract right. to run the prisons, and they have no problems in, in investing in the prison because the contract alone is going to help them build the prison. You know, I mean, think about it. They're building $100 million prisons faster than they're building. million schools. Mm -hmm. And we need more schools because Florida is a growing growing state. Mm -hmm. We need more schools. Most of our schools are old and deteriorated, so they started this huge coalition building, you know, this huge plan of building new schools to educate our youth. But every year they underfund the program. Oh, yeah. And every year they cut the funds to build schools and to, you know, to, support education, right? but in that same breath, they increased the funding for the building of prisons.
3: And that has to change, and that's, that's the reason why, and, I, and I'm not trying to get political or anything, but that that's the reason why I supported Barack Obama, because we have to change. We can't just keep doing the same old thing and expect you know, better results. We've got to change. We've got to change the way we do business. This country, we're gonna bankrupt it. Look, look at what we're facing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this this country, we've done so many foolish things over the years, you know, and it, it's just it's just outrageous. And we're paying a penalty uh, for for doing things the same old way. And we we got to change. We got to change. Well, who, no matter who you voted for, or what have you, or what what political affiliation that you're with, it's time for a change. It, it doesn't matter who's in office. It's time for a change. We can't continue to just just uh, arrest people and just throw away. It's it costing our society. And as you look around in a lot of our communities, you know, just walk through any community. When I, when I was a kid, we used to see, I used to see as a young man, I used to see a lot of men in the community. And if you got out of line back then, these guys will will thump you upside your head and say, go home. You're not going to be out here fighting and getting in trouble. Nowadays, man, you can walk through a community and not see a man anywhere. Why? Because they're mostly locked up in prison. And that's why our communities are falling apart now. There's no man to help mentor these young people Mm -hmm. in our communities. And so these kids are emboldened because they have no structure, and there's no men available to to keep them on the right path in life. There's nobody, so you know so we we got to change we we you know we've got to stop you know this madness of not preventing crime or preventing problems and just locking people up and thinking somehow or another society. It's going to be better because all of our men are locked up. Now, it, it it has made the, the problem worse because there's a lack of supervision in our community because there's a lack of men with positive role models.
0: Mm. That's so true. That's so true. You know, um, I, I, I wanted to touch on real quick um, how the government is coming to you and they're asking for help. I, and I noticed from going to the meetings that I've gone through with the coalition committee, you have a couple of police officers. And from what I gathered from listening and talking with them, and listening to them talk to other people, there, I I got from them that they were afraid of these youth. And, and did I read something wrong, or did I hear something wrong, or, or what was it?
3: Well. uh I don't think it's quite that they're afraid of you. I, th- I think they 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 see you know, but by being well, they're gang unit officers, so their their primary job is getting on top of the gang issue. And this is what they're saying to us. They realize that this thing is getting out of control, and and, and it saddens them to see that there's not much going on as far as stemming the growth. They don't see the the, the leaders in the community, the, the ministers, the, the the directors of programs, the the, the supposed leaders, you know, all, all they see is this big fire that, that continues to blaze. And for a fire to, to be fueled, it has to be, you have to keep putting wood on the fire.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What they're saying is there's there's no blockage to the fuel to the fire. they just seeing kids, just hundreds of kids out there running wild, running free, unstructured activities, nothing going on in their community. So these young people, you know, they see these gangbangers as leaders in their communities, and these kids are just going straight forward. To joining these gangs and that's what they see. They they they, they, they have they've expressed this to us that, that we need to stop, you know, these young people somehow from joining these gangs and make it uh you know, invitable for these young people to just continue and they, they see that as a real issue. And that's the reason why we're on a mission to prevent gangs. If we can take away the fuel that 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 Supplies that fire, and we can we can stop that, and we can stop kids uh, through prevention program and innovative program, not just any kind of program. You know, we have to get innovative with these young people. We got to go to where they are. We got to try to do some things that they want to see in their community, and we have to work with them. We can't be traditional anymore. We might have to uh, start some groups in their community. Unconventional group like you know a rap group you know some of these kids are very talented Greg and Brian
2: mm-hmm. you know they can
3: rap we might have to uh, help them you know to develop their musical talents to get them from that gang life so we we got to be innovative we can't just sit back and say we don't want them to rap hey encourage them to rap but encourage them to be positive I think that's the key yes yes yeah.
0: Yeah, well, so.
1: yeah you know. In a sense, I agree with you on that because you do have to let kids, you have to channel their energies. Right. You know, you have to give them an outlet. You know, but what about the naysayers that would say, you know, that something like rap could be seen as a negative stereotype?
3: Well, it can be. It can be. If, if we're teaching our kids to disrespect females and disrespect their community and disrespect, but I think that's what being a role model is all about it. If we if we get them to trust us, if we can get them to respect us, and we befriend them, then we can help mold and guide them to to do something positive, you know, uh, because there there's a trade-off. If you help us, if we help you, you help us by being positive. If they if they like you and if they trust you, Greg and Brian. Mm-hmm. These young people will work with us because yeah. we they they know we're not gonna support them, you know, speaking negative uh, rap lyrics, uh, dis- disrespecting females. We have to we have to use the, the power within us to guide them. and that's just being a, a strong leader and a creative leader, and giving them a chance to express. Uh, you know, their talents, but at the same time guide and lead them. And that's what these young people are looking for. They're looking for men and women to stand up and be strong and say, hey, we're going to help you, but you're going to have to do this. And I think these young people are willing to meet us uh, 50-50 if we go out there and present ourselves as someone who's willing to work with them.
0: Yes. Yes, and and that's so true. Mr. Simmons, we're we're getting down um, to the end of the show. Believe it or not, we are. Uh, If someone wanted you to come in and speak, would you you be willing to do that? But but wait a minute. I, I want to go to Brian. I think we have someone that may have something for us. Brian?
1: Yes, we have a caller. And I want to bring that caller in right quick to see what they have to say or see if they have a question. Caller from the 404 area code. You're on live. Yes,
2: yes, my brother. brother. This is the bucket.
1: <laughs> <Hi, laughs> How you doing?
2: Brother, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't step away from, from this, this off the top, top of okay. building. Okay. And I and just, just want to say that, that if until we return, return at God, God as, as men, and, and then honor that produced us all, we can't, can't really rebuild really community. community. You know, the, the script scripture says that, that shall repent the so city. And it, it also says that my people who are called, who are called by my name humble themselves in and pray. seek my faith God. Pray pray God. and God. shall I hear from, I hear from them, them that call shall heal, heal like my there's a turn the that, that
0: takes place
2: the black community black before we, we can build, build. Our community.
0: Mm. You know what, Brother Marcus, We're having another show this Wednesday. We're having Larry back on, and we're going to have a panel. And we would love to have you come in and 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 talk with us and fellowship with us because we 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 need we need this type of uh, commitment with each other. We yes, need sir. And, we definitely. Uh, yes, and I'm so glad that you called in because uh, I, I really want to introduce you and Larry to one another because there's a lot that can be done.
2: Yes, it is. it is a lot that we must do, and uh, the work is on us now. We have a brother in office, and if you all Right on, the on the press, press. He, handled he handled himself a skill you know, and, you and know, power. He yeah, just wanted you know, you know office have, office have a, a role, role to play in building, building our community. Society. But we and got a responsibility, responsibility for that. So, so I, I, I just just wanted to, to wish to the brother, brother, that brother that you have that I on the show to tonight very best, and, and I, I pray that I will bless you to do 10 times the work that you i uh, have, have done, done actually
3: yeah, that you do tend I'm from this year. thank you, my brother. Yes, sir.
1: All well, right, we got, a, uh, we got a little bit under a minute left, and I want to get Larry's contact information real briefly, and then we'll go ahead and close out the show.
3: Okay. Uh, my name is uh I'm a bachelor's level social worker. I work for Tallahassee Housing Authority. Uh and um uh, my uh my phone number is my office number is area code eight five zero two zero one four zero three five. No, I'm s I'm sorry, four four zero one six, I'm sorry.
0: Brother Marcus, did you get that?
1: I think he's off the line. Okay,
0: okay. I'm yeah, sure I'm sure he still heard me. But go ahead, Matt, I'm down, sorry. By.
1: All right, um well again. We thank you so much for coming on the show, and we'll hear from you again some more on Wednesday when we have our panel discussion. You know, um, I want to close out by saying there is a lot that we can do to take our community back. You can start by something as simple as keeping your yards clean. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's so many small things you can do to affect the community. You ever notice how somebody will paint their house and then the next week you see somebody else paint their house and then the next week you see somebody else paint their house? It's because doing positive things and things that promote good stuff in your community is infectious. And with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight and we hope you join us on Wednesday. With that, eat good evening and God bless.